But I wanted to just look at it, seeing the harvest through Jesus' eyes. And if we could have Matthew 9, Matthew 9 at verse 35. It's entitled, The Workers Are Few. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like, a sh like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now that's why Jesus said there's plenty of harvest, there's people to reach, there's work to be done. And the greatest dangers of the church is that we don't see this as the most important work. Very often everything else comes in almost before reaching the lost with the good news of Jesus. And as Jesus ministered his needs to the people around him, he met their physical needs. It says, doesn't it, he healed all their illnesses, all their diseases. But he was able to see beyond that. Jesus was able to see the deepest needs of their heart. As Jesus looked at the crowd around him, a great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them. And the word compassion literally means to be moved in the heart. He saw the reality of the need of the people around him. He saw them as they were, and he sought to share his insight about them with his disciples. And he wants to share this insight with you and me. He wants to see the plight of humanity. He wants us to see the plight of humanity as he does. He wants us to see people as they really are. He wants us to be moved in the heart just as he was. He wants us to be able to see the harvest through his eyes. First of all, he saw the pity of the harvest. He saw lost people as they really were. He was able to look past their outward self-sufficiency, self-righteousness, self-confidence. He saw their pain, their loneliness, and the loss, the losses they'd felt in their hearts. He saw people who fainted and grew weary under the load of their sins and the unrealistic pressures and expectations forced upon them. He saw a people who were scattered, literally to be cast down or thrown down. People were wandering aimlessly through life with no direction, no planned destination. People who lived with no shepherd for their souls. Quite a good word to remember. It's like SFS, S for shepherd, F for four, and S is their souls. He saw a people who were utterly lost. Now we need to see these people, they're in our village, they're in the towns, they're around. We need to see them like Jesus did. 
You see, if you take an example, over here there's a family, they seem happy, this family. They have good jobs, plenty of money, nice house, the big Range Rover. And they have all the things that this world can offer them. And plenty of people look like that in life, in this community around here. But if you look into their hearts, you see turmoil, you see fear, loneliness, and very often desperation. They have no answers to the questions they do really need Jesus of Nazareth. And then you can look at another family. They don't have as much as that first family, but they do work and they have a place to live. But their lives are driven by alcohol and drugs and really whole areas of wrongdoing. And they're very hard and against the good news of the gospel, but anybody who comes near them and tries to tell them about the good things of Jesus. But if you could rip aside the layers of their life and look into their souls, you would see people who are afraid to die and they're even afraid to live. They're people without hope and they need someone to see them as they really are. Someone who can see them as they are and still love them. Start where they're at and that person who can reach them and cure those whole areas of need is the person that you know, and that's Jesus. Now second, Jesus saw the potential for the harvest. He saw a plenteous, a harvest of plenty. But he also saw more than that. He saw people who needed to be saved. Saved from that place which is without God. At the end of their life, they would go to that place without God rather than heaven or paradise. As Ruth has done, that's where Ruth is. That's why we could have a celebration of our life yesterday and not a mourning, black, grim service. She is saved by grace again, God's riches at Christ's expense. And Jesus saw a harvest that was ripe for picking. He looked beyond their condition. He saw people who could be delivered of those things that were wrong, changed. So he didn't see problems, he saw potential. He saw the potential of the harvest. Third, he saw the problem of the harvest. So he looked at the harvest, he saw there it was plenty of harvest, but he saw lost people all around him. And he recognized that problem. There are few laborers working in the father's field. And you know the same problem exists today. John, do you have enough laborers to get your harvest in? Some days. You see, the problem hasn't changed from Jesus' time. Some days. And Jesus knew, he made that promise to make us fishers of men. Now, to go fishing requires two things. It requires fishermen. Well, three things. You need some water, don't you? You need to fish in the water. Now, John will tell you that as a farmer, he knows that the harvest doesn't gather itself in. He doesn't, you know, sit in his rocking chair with his dog by the front door and say, right, harvest, thank you, jump in the barns. Wouldn't that be nice? No, he has to get down, he has to get down and do the dirty work of harvesting with his team. But it would be nice, wouldn't it, if the silage sort of made itself and the... Um, uh, what else we can have, the, the, the 
the, if he had green beans, that they picked themselves, and the corn, that plucked himself, and he, and he did, did all that. But it doesn't work like that. To harvest, you have to go where the harvest is, and that's true about bringing lost people to Jesus. We cannot sit in this chapel, because if we do, we won't see a harvest. Just sit here. No, we have to do more than that. We have to go to where lost people are. And you're surrounded by them at work, in the village, everywhere else. Now it's challenging work, I know, and that's why we've been doing that series of teaching to try and help you and equip you and encourage you to get past the challenging bit so that you're better able to do that. You see, there are people in a sad shape today, spiritually speaking. They look after their minds, they look after their bodies, but their spirit, it's like it's never fed. If they weren't eating, we would say they were anorexic and thin. And they're spiritually weak. But you need to care about them, and they need to be led to that place where Jesus can spiritually give them that harvest that they need. If we can come to see the harvest through Jesus' eyes, we won't be just content to see it. We will have to enter it and work to see people that you know saved from going to that place that is without God. And fourth and final point is he saw the power of the harvest. Jesus spoke about the harvest and he told men what to do first. And the answer is a little word with four letters and it's pray. Why pray? Because seeing the harvest brought into the barn is God's work. He must toil the soil of these people's hearts. He must water that seed of the word from God that are planted there. And he must cast that sunshine of grace, that word again, upon those lost hearts. So got it? Seed, the word, needs to be planted. The sunshine of grace needs to shine on the hearts. Otherwise, there won't be a harvest. And we all know the consequence of a failed harvest. You see that a new birth, a new birth is a miracle. We're looking to Liz. She's going to produce a new baby. And it'll be unique with unique fingerprints. And that is the miracle. And it's the awesome work of God in the human heart that we seek. Only he can do it. But we must put in the power. That power is we must pray over the harvest. Pray over and for the people. Notice that Jesus told them to pray for the Lord of the harvest. Now, the Lord of the harvest is God, his Father, that he would send laborers into the harvest. Unless we get some sort of burden, you know, some sort of power in us for the lost, then we're going to be indifferent and, you know, we won't do anything. The Lord had compassion for them. We need to pray, and if we haven't got it, that compassion for those people who are lost. And as we pray, the Lord, Lord will work within us, and using that bit of equipping that we've got already and any other things we learn. And then we, as we go into that field, and of course it's not just a field, it's the village, the town, your work, whatever, the shops, doesn't matter where, you will see the Lord working through you for the harvest. So can we see that need today? Starting place is to pray first, trust him to do the work in the harvest, and he will send in the laborers. Now, of course, 
Those labourers may just be us or you. So there's four Ps there, isn't there? Jesus saw the pity of the harvest. He saw the potential of the harvest. He saw the problem and the power. Now I want to illustrate that in a way just by something simple. People like true stories, like Jesus used parables. Last night we went round to my son, and my son teaches English to foreign students. And there was a guy there called Lewis, and Lewis was from Valencia in Spain. And he got a slightly unusual job. He is one of those people who hangs from a wire, from a helicopter, as the rescue man. Yes, yeah, so he's on the end of the wire and he's swinging around. And he just shared with us three videos that have been taken by the co-pilots in recent months. The first one, I want you to see uh, an upturned and sunken catamaran, the hull upright and on three men on it, way out in sea. And there's Lewis on his end of his rope, his... Don't know what you call it, really. Winch is a good word. He's on the end of each winch rope and he's got his strop thing to put around them. And one man he manages to take off and rescue and they gets them up into the helicopter. The second one is on the boat but it's important that the winch doesn't get tied up with the wreckage so the pilot keeps at a distance away. So Lewis is in the water but one man has to jump into the water and swim a bit to get to Lewis and then Lewis puts the strop over him and up he goes. So two have been saved from the wreckage. The third one is quite good actually because some of you probably don't know this but very often people in that situation panic. So when the rescuer comes, puts his arms around, they start dragging him down under the water, start panicking and fighting. And um, they're trained to sort of give a little gentle knock right here so knock him out for a little while and then put the strop on and get them away so you see this this guy is big much bigger Lewis is very slim little little chap and bang on there and off he goes and I just thought isn't that so much like um, what happens with us people who do not know Jesus they're in a sort of wreckage and some are able to be taken off that wreckage some have to jump and move towards the rescuer Jesus and sometimes, sometimes just people need a bit of a bang on the head or bang on the thing just to bring them to their senses. The second one was cruise ships. Enough to put you off cruise ships, what I saw, but not really. Crew member unconscious and ill. And he's down on the deck there and he's got the stretcher and he gets hold of it. And of course, it's the, 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 the cruise ship is pitching and moving around. But he gets to him and he gets them and he's alongside and he cradles the, the, the whole thing up to the helicopter and safely into the helicopter. But even that's difficult because when you get up to the helicopter you're on a tight rope and then they have to slacken the rope and then you have to, the other man has to sort of pull people in, really rescuing them. That one was unconscious and yet saved and taken to the place of safety. The third one was particularly moving, it was a cruise ship again. And somehow, somehow the mother had managed to iron the baby. The baby had got very bad burns from an iron. Didn't deliberately do it, it was an accident. The child was three. So the mother is distressed and the mother needs to come with the baby. 
So they lower down onto the pitching deck a cradle and gets mother into the cradle. She's crying and distressed. And Lewis goes up with her into the helicopter and she is saved. And then he comes down for the baby. So he gets into the cradle in order to cradle the baby who's three years old. And the baby is really distressed at this point, apart from having the horrible burns and such that she needs emergency treatment. And her mother's up in the helicopter, so the, mother, the three-year-old knows the mother's gone, so she's really, really crying in distress. And Lewis cradles her, and then it happens. On the film, the baby leans across into his arm, and bites deep into his arm in her distress. And I thought again, how often people who do not know Jesus, when you come near to them with the good news, the rescue, there is a bite, there is a kickback, there is anger, there is resentment, there is the pointing finger, there is something that happens as you try to rescue. Now, this baby, of course, was three, so there's no, no, not her fault, she just is reacting in that way. But the rescuer got a bite and got a knock and you have to knock somebody out on the way. So don't be surprised at times when you're trying to harvest, maybe your harvest tool will hit a rock. Maybe you'll get a splinter that gets into your hands. Maybe something will happen. Don't worry about that. The Lord's in control. And like Lewis, you are God's helicopter. You're his winch man. I said to Lewis, does he like bungee jumping? Oh, no, no, he wouldn't do bungee jumping. Far too dangerous. So, yeah, sensible chap. So that's my talk. Four Ps, pity, potential, problem, power, and then just how we need to be ready to rescue people uh, with or without a helicopter and with and without a safety rope. So I'm going to pray now. Father, we just thank you for people like Lewis and may his little examples there Give us some encouragement to realize that with you all is possible. And we pray for those people who do not know you. We pray for the upcoming baptisms that maybe some will come and watch and see that witness of, as Jesus said, repent, turn away, and be baptized. And we ask that that would be the case in this little chapel. And in Jesus' name we pray that now. Amen.